And if we have gut issues and we're not moving appropriately, then it's going to contribute and just kind of keep us at this level of dysfunction. So it is a tool that can be used to really change our situation with SIBO and really change our situation with IBS. It's just something that we need to familiarize ourselves with and try, you know, go outside the box. Hey, welcome back to Healing SIBO and IBS with Better Health by Monica. And this podcast goes along with my ebook, The Holistic Healing Guidebook for SIBO, IBS, and Gut Dysfunction. If you have not already grabbed yourself a copy of that, you can head to my website, betterhealthbymonica.com, grab yourself a copy there. You can get it on the Amazon Kindle store, but it's not in that live PDF format on the the Kindle store. So you're not going to be able to click on the links as you read it, which I think is kind of a pain. Uh, I wasn't really able to downloaded any other way as far as I knew. So um, I recommend grabbing it from my website so that you have that PDF format and you can visit those links. Uh, If you do get it on the Kindle store, you can still go to a website and get a PDF with all of the links uh, that are in the book. Uh, So if you wanted to read it for free on the Kindle store and you have Kindle Unlimited, then that's an option for you as well. The purpose of that book and this podcast is to offer you a different perspective on how you can go about healing your gut from a whole body and very intuitive approach. And today we're really going to get into intuition. So we've covered um, nutrition extensively, supplementation. The last episode was all about the autonomic nervous system and how it functions and how if it is dysfunctional or imbalanced can be a big root cause of gut dysfunction and all chronic illness in the body. So I hope that you found that interesting. We've arrived at my favorite subject, which is movement. I have a very extensive advanced movement background. I was a a professional dancer. I danced in New York for seven years. I went to school for dance. I have a bachelor's of fine arts and dance. I've danced since I was two. And being a dancer allows you to really explore movement, different methods, different styles, get to know your body, feel very connected to your body and energy. Um, I've I have a Pilates certification as well, and I've studied a lot of other functional movements. So movement is a big part of my life. Um, I went through a period of time where I really couldn't move, actually. I had exhausted my body so much from dancing and working and living in New York that um, I went through a period of time where I almost could not exercise at all. And during that time, I found this other way of moving and I've really fine-tuned that and allowed that to evolve into what I call now my move to heal sessions. I have used my experience, my knowledge of movement and continue to educate myself and study various methods of self-therapies and breath work and movement and fused it together 
to create these healing sessions that are very unique and individualized for my clients. The goal is to facilitate healing through movement. And I'm gonna get into exactly what that means and how it can bring healing in many ways. Um, and And it's not really associated with anything that you may be familiar with. Like the word exercise, okay? Exercise brings a whole set of beliefs and emotions and experiences that are associated with it. Just like if I say fad diets, right? If I say um, keto or Whole30, that's going to come with a whole set of beliefs, experiences, and emotions associated with it. So I want you to almost forget about what you know about exercise or what your, your exercise affiliation is and start with a bit of a clean slate here and think about this way of moving and moving to heal as almost its own thing, like a separate entity away from what you're used to thinking about as exercise. We have such a such limited exposure and understanding to the many ways that we can actually move our body. So I want to touch on the simple ways, but highly beneficial ways to move our body every day in order to help us heal and directly help us heal our guts. So let's do a quick self-reflection. I want you to think about the ways that you move your body every day and your relationship to exercise. Do you go to the gym? Uh, Do you hate going to the gym? Do you love going to the gym? Do you take any classes like yoga classes? Is your job really laborious? You know, are you lifting? Are you moving a lot? Are you a mom? Are you lifting up your kids? Are you holding them on one side of your hip? Cleaning, dog walking. Um, Are you sitting most of the day? Are you in front of the computer? Are you more sedentary? Do you get home from work and find it hard to motivate yourself to do anything so you're on the couch most of the night are you not interested in exercise do you wish you could exercise but it's really hard to exercise because your body won't let you when we really start to think about movement our relationship to it our habits around it i bet most of us feel quite limited in how we actually move our bodies And even if you're on the spectrum of, like I was, where I was dancing every day, almost every day, doing Pilates, bartending, running around, I was moving my body too much. Even if you're on that over-exercising side, it's still different than purposely, intentionally moving your body to help it heal. But wherever you are on the movement spectrum that's where you want to start shifting your focus is to, well, even if I'm sitting on the couch or even if I'm watching TV, is there something I can be doing on the floor in a chair that's going to help my body heal better physiologically, but also physically and help mitigate pain as well. And just so you know, when I say movement, it's this umbrella word that also means breath work, self-massage, self-therapy, visualization, and and anything that obviously is moving our bodies. So you might be thinking, well, how can movement help my gut issues? Chronic issues can cause an accumulation of dysfunction in the body. 
Okay, our emotions, our experiences, stress, they impact us physically. They impact our organs, uh, some organs more than others, but think about it as a whole body impact. So it's not just our brain. And we talked about the autonomic nervous system in the last episode, and you can see how everything that happens to us impacts our entire being and our organs will actually store our emotions and store our trauma leaving them weaker and this is not like a woo-woo concept okay think about you know how do organs connect to our brain how do our vital organs connect to our brain through the nervous system right The brain receives this information and it gets distributed through the nervous system to our vital organs. It's information that is being received and sent to the organs through the nervous system. So it makes sense that if something, if stress is received, if trauma is received, then it's going to trickle down and cascade to a a particular organ depending on our body, depending on if we already have a weakness. Do we have a genetic uh, predisposition for a a weak liver, a weak heart? Well, if we experience that stress, then it's going to go to that weakest link, right? That weakest point. There's a book called um, Understanding the Messages of Your Body by Jean-Pierre Burrell, uh, it's very, it's very interesting. It's about a visceral manipulation, and he gets into the different organs and what it means when you have pain associated with a different organ, and how you can uh, manipulate and self-massage yourself. But there's a quote where uh, he says the psychosomatic phenomena occur when emotional residue pour into the organs. It's too much for the brain to store, so the organs have to take some of that load, right? It's a somatic experience from the brain. We feel this happening. Uh, We don't know why it's happening, and a lot of us don't associate it with our emotions or our experiences. We just think, oh, I have pain because it's happening to me, rather than it's something that I've experienced and I need to address. Um, You know, this is ancient wisdom. It is. If you study Chinese or Korean medicine or meditation methods, you'll see how they shape their beliefs and their concepts around releasing stored trauma in the body. And different organs are associated with different emotions. And like, like I talked about, like uh, Jean-Pierre talks about in his book, um, they, they're associated with different emotions, but they can also be impacted differently based on our experiences. So he talks about how like the liver is associated with more of our deep self or our identity in a way. And so if, if somebody hurts your ego or if somebody... Um, if, if you have kind of a, a, a crisis, like an inner crisis, uh, then your liver may be impacted. Your spleen, your pancreas may be more impacted by grief or sudden unexpected trauma. Our stomach collects tension when we have conflict. 
when we are nervous, what happens? We get that stomach ache. And that's a perfect example of an organ being impacted by stress, right? It's a somatic experience and we feel, I'm nervous, I feel sick to my stomach. So if you experienced a traumatic event in childhood, that trauma can be stored somewhere in your body and can impact you later in your life. The course that I took, the SIBO Mastery course by Dr. Nirmala Jacobi, I like her a lot because she covers the conventional way, really, of addressing SIBO, but then she goes into all of this other really important stuff, like all the nervous system um, therapeutics and uh, pH balance, and she really covers a lot. In the portion where she was covering uh, nervous system dysfunction, she told a story about her own life and how she was burnt, like almost her whole body was burnt when she was a child. I mean, imagine that, how traumatic that would be. And she said for most of her life, she didn't really think about it. It wasn't an issue. And then when she was in her 30s, she started to become more emotional about it. She started to have more anxiety about it. It was like this trigger in a way around this traumatic event. And she did one session of uh, somatic therapy. It might have been DNR, um, I can't remember which somatic therapy it was, but she did one therapy session and she was able to overcome this because she was able to kind of relive this experience and then finish it the way she wanted to because the body, when you experience this trauma, it's in that fight or flight state like we talked about and your body remembers that fight or flight state, that that feeling of of panic of fear and this therapy that she did allowed her to kind of go back into that place and then live out the experience to allow her nervous system to go back to normal or to go back to that uh, homeostatic place and that was enough for her to be to be able to overcome that and so it just shows you how it really does get stored. And even if you haven't been burnt or even if you haven't experienced a traumatic event as a child, just little things that happen through our life, they they do get stored within us and they can cause chronic issues down the line. So I, I believe that we have to really think outside of the box to heal. And the intestines are a very sensitive place. They are very vulnerable to becoming weak under stress. Hence, the first thing that we feel when we're stressed is usually a stomach ache. And trauma, both emotional and physical, can cause physical obstruction in the intestines, structural problems in the intestines, uh, abdominal surgery, C-sections, that can all play a role in the, the structure of our intestines. Chronic stress will also create this very cold gut, uh, and that will make us have poor immune function. There's something called thermography, which is like this heat map of your body that you can get of yourself. And what's interesting about thermography is that where the dysfunction is, deep within there, it's actually cold. So even if you feel hot, you feel feverish, um, you know, maybe you even have like 
like hot flashes or heat flushing if you have dysautonomia in within the organs deep in there it's cold because it's dysfunctioning and um, it's not getting the blood flow maybe it's not getting that circulation postural habits they can cause tension they can cause pain how are we standing sitting over time that's going to impact our lung placement that can really uh, condense the rib cage which doesn't allow us to breathe properly our diaphragm can be in a higher or lower place our stomach can be in a different place and that's absolutely going to impact the digestion and the intestinal function and all of these things change the environment of the microbiome they change the the terrain of the gut and i say this all the time i say with my clients it's about shifting the environment to a healthy environment so it's not so much about treating it's about shifting that whole environment and when i say that they often look at me like what the hell is she talking about So on top of the dietary changes and the supplement support, we can use movement and and different outside-the-box therapeutics to help shift the entire environment of the microbiome. And that's what I mean by shifting the environment of the microbiome. It's really about this full transformation that often requires intervention beyond dietary and supplement support. And then there is the energetic and or spiritual component of movement. So emotions literally mean energy in motion. So think about that for a second. Energy in motion. When we experience sadness, it passes. Excitement passes. Fear passes, right? It's transient. It's energy. We are electric energetic beings. We have an actual charge to us. We have a frequency to us. And I believe that we need to hone in on that awareness of our energy. And I'll talk about this a little more um, in the next episode when I talk about music. But think about it in the sense of like, if emotions are energy in motion then is it possible to get stuck or uh, for energy to accumulate somewhere in the body? If these emotions are, you know, passing and transient and kind of fleeting, could they potentially be stuck like a bottleneck somewhere in the body, depending on structure, depending on postural, depending on stress, tension, you know, all of the factors that we now understand? The answer is absolutely. So we want to work and move to identify where that energy is stuck and work to release it and facilitate a positive change and bring a positive charge as well. So if I've lost you a little bit with the energy talk, um, I want you to think about what it feels like to um, have a knot in your back or have some kind of pain in your neck. And then have a massage or do some kind of movement of of anything or do maybe meditation or yoga and feel that feeling of relaxation, feel that shift 
of relaxation or maybe that pain go away even if it's temporary. You know, there is an energetic component to that. And you don't necessarily have to be spiritual to understand that. Although I do recommend exploring that spirituality because you will will become a happier, calmer, peaceful person. But if you're more along the lines of really wanting to understand that and that um, scientific maybe side of how to deal with your pain, just think about that feeling that you get when that knot is released or that pain is subsided. Um, just understand there is an energetic component to that and uh, that's something that I, I like to explore with my clients regardless of where they are on the spiritual, um, you know, what they think about spirituality. So it's important to understand that even though you are exercising daily, you're not necessarily releasing stored trauma. Just because you're lifting weights doesn't mean that you're helping your posture. I mean, you're strengthening your muscles, but um, it's not the same as, as healing movement, right? And I also want to speak to the people who are on the more sedentary side, whether they want to be or not. Some people really can't move. There are many ways that you can little by little introduce healing movement um, that can really change your health. So I want to explain the five principles of my Move to Heal sessions. All of these principles can be done with more advanced movements, but also literally sitting in your chair. You know, I do have some really sick clients and they're on that side where they really do want to be moving around, but they can't because of their their chronic situation. Uh, so we work little by little at trying to help their body, help them move in this way. So I want to tell you my five principles and I want you to keep these five principles in mind for yourself. And if you're looking for this healing movement, which, you know, it's in this realm of alternative care, it's in this realm of the wild west where it's hard to navigate this stuff on your own. Um, And I don't personally have a lot of other therapists or a lot of other movement coaches that I know of right now that I could refer you to. Um, But I want to give you the principles so that you can understand what this movement should entail. And you can ask them about, you know, is this is this part of your philosophy as well? And of course you can move with me and you can do a free session with me, but I I just want you to know that there are a lot of other options out there. It just takes a little bit of an of, you know, investigation to to find these people sometimes. So, my five principles are number 1, the movement has to be parasympathetic activation has to be activating the parasympathetic nerve or the vagal nerve which is going to facilitate healing the gut improve digestion um, support that autonomic nervous system try to balance that uh, work on the tone of the vagus nerve so that is a big component that all of the movement needs to really be shifting us into that parasympathetic state and keeping us there for a longer period of time because we just don't stay in that state for a long period of time if we have a a normal modern life. 
The second principle is the intention of releasing. Releasing trauma, releasing um, tension, releasing stagnant energy. And it's something that really, you know, can't necessarily be done by running every day. It's, it's a more intentional, mindful practice of really trying to target where your tension, where your trauma might be, and then releasing that uh, through various methods. The third principle is recovery focused. So rather than pushing ourselves, pushing ourselves to go for a walk, even though it makes us feel worse, pushing us to go to the gym to burn calories, even though we're totally exhausted. We're moving in a way that's going to facilitate recovery, healing. It's not going to exacerbate your condition. And maybe you even go from feeling exhausted to feeling energetic because we're working in that state of relaxation. The fourth principle is functional movement intentions, okay? (laughs) This is the best way that I could explain this. So if you're familiar with Alexander Technique, Feldenkrais, some Pilates, I, I have a Pilates background. I don't necessarily, my heart isn't in Pilates as much as it used to be. I think it can hurt our breathing sometimes. So I like the principles of Pilates, the foundations of Pilates that I definitely um, incorporate into my move to heal sessions. But those are techniques that are functional methods, functional movement methods, and they help people recognize poor movement habits and then help them correct them. And so like functional breathing, is your breathing inverted? Are you even aware of how you breathe in the first place? Breathing could be a huge root cause of all dysfunction, including gut dysfunction. So we need to bring awareness to our breathing and we need to work on correct breathing practices. Uh, Other functional movement is like noticing how you're walking, lifting things, sitting, standing, squatting, um, making sure that you're not causing more pain and problems from your habits. Um, and I don't, I don't do too much of the, the functional uh, walking or lifting or sitting, standing stuff. Um, I work a lot on mobility and strengthening. We do alignment evaluation to see if your body structure may also be a root cause of dysfunction. For instance, like if your head is slightly forward. So if your earlobe, you can do this to yourself. You can turn to the side and take a picture of yourself and see if your earlobe is in front of your shoulder. Um, Or if your shoulder is way in front of your earlobe, you know, you want that you want your earlobe to be right in line of your um, mid mid shoulder, but if you notice your head protruding forward and you're you have kind of a hunched thoracic spine or kyphosis, then that can leave you at risk of vagal nerve dysfunction, and then you're going to have gut issues, right? And you're going to have breathing issues. So it's important to do this evaluation and then work on functional mobility, functional movement to help correct it and, um, you know, bring you to a a better state of function, right? Um, So functional movement. Uh, The fifth and final principle is the movement should be exploratory 
and even dynamic. You know, if you're on one of those spin bikes like the Pelotons, yeah, you're gonna be burning calories, but it's not really engaging your brain that much. It's not really, you know, you're not using your body the same way that you would be using it uh, with proprioception, with your, you know, senses, uh, when you're riding a real bike, directions, you know, all of that stuff, that's part of movement and part of uh, being human, right? So you want your movement to be more on the dynamic side and exploratory. So we do want to be out of our comfort zone a bit. Uh, We want to awaken our senses. We want to move in ways that we're not used to. And we also want to move to provoke emotions. We want to feel something in, in this movement. We want to feel so that we can release that you know we need to actually get to the point where we're feeling our bodies and we're 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 moving towards that that progressive state of being and we're learning new things about ourselves right so there you have my five principles and we've got parasympathetic activation or vagal nerve exercises uh trauma or energy release recovery focused So we're not pushing ourselves, we're working in this recovery mode. Um, So it can be done while you're in your workout protocol. You know, you do your lifting weights, your cardio, you do whatever your workout routine is, and then you have a day or you do movement like this daily and it will help you recover. Uh, Functional movement intentions and exploratory dynamic movement. Those are my five Uh, principles of moving to heal. And so if you are going to venture out and kind of look for a therapist to look for somebody who follows the same principles, then you can ask them about that. And you can say, is this something that you also like to implement into your, into your sessions or something? So with all of this said, you know, we know that there is a benefit to moving and exercising. We know that exercise has a profoundly positive impact on the microbiome. There are studies to support that. And we're just not meant to live a sedentary lifestyle. We we need to be moving. But we want to be considering the ways that we move. We want to be noting and becoming aware of our movement habits and making sure that along with our exercise regimen, we're leaving room for this moving, this healing movement experience that we can do ourselves and we can do with other therapists. And if we have gut issues and we're not moving appropriately, then it's going to contribute and just kind of keep us at this level of dysfunction. So it is a tool that can be used to really change our situation with SIBO and really change our situation with IBS. It's just something that we need to familiarize ourselves with and try, you know, go outside the box. And it's something that you can do really no matter what capability you're in. Even if you can't stand, you can still do breath work and you can still do a lot of this movement. So I do just want to finish with one last final thought about movement. When I first started working with clients and beginning my health coaching practice, uh, the first few clients I saw, I felt 
kind of disconnected. You know, the, the process, I was still trying to figure out my process and, I, you know, I would just tell them what to eat. I would tell them about their test results. I would tell them to take certain supplements. And every time we talked and we had our sessions, it almost felt like we were starting from square one. I wasn't really sure where they were at, what they were doing, if they understood what I was saying. It felt like I was just throwing a lot of information at them. And that was kind of it, you know. And I would often say, just listen to your body, you know, listen to your body. I say that all the time, listen to your body. I don't think that a lot of people really understand what that means, especially since sometimes I would get in response, well, my body's telling me to eat chips, so I'm going to eat chips, you know? So I asked myself, well, how can I help them with this listening to your body? How can I help them with this whole process of adopting new habits and taking information and applying it into their lifestyle, right? Because what sets this process apart from other healthcare experiences is that it's not like you just show, you know, you show up to your doctor, they tell you what to do, they give you a prescription and you leave. You go to your chiropractor, you get a treatment and you leave. This is an ongoing relationship that I have with my clients around their health. And so I really was struggling with how can I be more of a facilitator of change? And that's when I understood or started to understand the power of mindfulness and the power of mindful movement because we all understand meditation you know some of us are good at it or we like it some of us don't like it we've all tried yoga and we either like it or we don't like it but just like fad diets and exercise those two things they come with their own sets of beliefs and they come with their own experiences and I wanted to offer something different than saying, just go meditate. You know, I, I wanted to offer something that was more interactive and somatic, right? And so what I've found with this movement with myself and with my clients now that I've really started to implement this is that not only is it going to help aid that healing because it's shifting that body into the healing state, but it's going to help with honing intuition, it's going to help with connecting our minds to our bodies, connecting our awareness, right? We're becoming more intuitive, more self-aware, and that's what brings long-lasting health. That's what brings confidence and knowing how to answer our own questions. We have this oversaturated health industry. We have so much information being thrown at us in contradiction that we're always turning to other people for the answers. And we're often blaming other people for our own health situation. Or we're saying, you know, that didn't work, that didn't work. But what honing intuition does is it allows us to become aware of ourselves, take responsibility for our health, and then give us the tools that we need in order to change it and in order to carry out a protocol better to um, listen to what our bodies actually need. And that is truly the goal of all of this. 
So when you enter a gut healing program with me and you're thinking that you're just going to get, you know, supplementation and and a diet protocol, uh, you know, you're going to get rid of your gas and bloating, but you end up leaving with not only those issues resolved, but a better understanding of yourself, of your body and a deeper connection to your soul. Well, don't say I didn't warn you because uh, that's my bigger message here. And um, I like to... uh, connect with those who are also on that same path. So I, you know, I don't mean to be over existential here. Um, That's just who I am and who, who I like to attract. But the point really is that if you open your mind to new ideas and new ways of healing, then you're going to increase your chances of having amazing outcomes, of having positive, successful outcomes. And so in the next episode, I'm going to continue with this uh, idea of honing intuition and how we can facilitate that through music. Music is an incredible tool and there are some really great resources out there for you. I may interview someone for this episode, depending on timing. Uh, because I have recently partnered with an incredible company called Listening to Smile. And I've been using their music in my sessions and making sure that as many people as I know are aware of this company because they're doing really great things. And they're not only healing people, but they're defying, you know, they're kind of going against the system a little bit, which is something that I am all four. And I'm going to give you a little taste of this music at the end of this podcast so you can stay tuned towards the end to listen to this frequency-minded music. If you like what you hear, you can uh, go to the show notes and you can get a 40% off discount on one of their albums. Uh, And I will be talking about it more in the next episode. So I hope you enjoy that. Thank you for staying tuned for this longer episode on movement. If you are curious about these sessions, please don't hesitate to book a consultation with me on my website, betterhealthbymonica.com. You can click schedule a consultation um, and book it from there. You can you can click the tab that says nervous system retraining and you can schedule an actual move to heal session as well. You can email me at monica at betterhealthbymonica.com. Uh, and if you have any questions about, about signing up and follow me on Instagram and leave me a review if you've enjoyed this. Uh, I, this one is a little bit later night, uh, recording cause I wanted to get this done before I celebrate my bachelorette party this weekend and wedding shower. It's going to be a, a crazy weekend. So I'm staying up a little bit later recording this and I can think you can tell in my voice. So I might've been a little bit more rambly than I'm, I'm usually. Thank you for, for listening. And I look forward to speaking about the other awesome topics. Have a great night. Mm-hmm.